Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn of Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Skelly from Rogo, the River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time we're talking about Albenberg's second opera, Lulu, which he wrote after Wozzeck. And this debuted unfinished in 1937 because Berg died before he had time to finish Act 3. Right. He had he had started work on it and he had some parts of it completed and, and, and orchestrated and some parts he had notes. and uh, But it didn't... Um, well, it took them a long time to finish the score for him. Uh, it wasn't until 1979, I believe, uh, in Paris that, they, that the world finally heard the complete three-act version of, of Lulu. This is based on two plays by a German playwright named Wedekind. The Lulu plays, they called them because they were both about this particular character um, that we're about to find out a whole lot about. So and yet, the, very little. <laughs> <laughs> the opera is set in the late 19th century. It doesn't actually specify where, but it's in some Germanic or Austrian city. European large city. Right. Yeah. And we should point out that Berg was one of the students of Schoenberg. Right, which caused him uh, quite a bit of problems, given that he was composing this, you know, during the rise of the Third Reich of, of, of the Nazi Party in in Germany, and they really didn't like what he was doing. First of all, in musically, they they called it modernism. They kind of wanted to look back toward Wagner, uh, was a big favorite of the Nazi regime. And the fact that he was Schoenberg's pupil was a big problem for the Nazis because Schoenberg was Jewish. And Schoenberg had created this 12-tone musical notation. Idiom, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And, and Berg, here in Lulu, is using that scale. Yeah, it's <laughs> – a part of me wants to, you know, go into what 12-tone and serialism and, and you know, dodecaphony is – but it's ultimately very academic. It's basically uh, when, you, when you hear about 12-tone in the second Viennese school, this is what we're talking about. Um, it's about using all 12 notes in the chromatic scale without giving any particular note more importance than the other. <laughs> we could go down the rabbit hole of, of this academically, but what it amounts to, I mean, what, what really the listener will most be struck by is the fact that they largely avoid keys. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's not in the key of C major or G minor. It's, it's yeah, right. it's rootless in right. terms of a key. As you said, when Berg died, he'd completed Act One, Act Two, and uh, some of Act Three, but he'd left enough sketches for the music of, of Act Three that it could be completed, and it was, as you said, in 1979. The opera opens with an animal tamer in front of the curtain introducing the animals in his menagerie. menagerie. Mm -hmm. And he's on stage with a clown who is dressed as Piero. Which becomes a theme throughout the opera because there's this painting, as we'll see, of Lulu being painted in this first scene where she is dressed as Piero with a, with a shepherd's crook. And the painting shows up throughout the opera. And in fact, here in this prologue, Lulu is dressed as the Piero. She is the clown. Right. After the prologue, the curtain goes up on Act One 
of the opera. And we're in a painter's studio. And as you said, Lulu is dressed as Piero, and she is being painted, a portrait is being painted of her by the painter. Right, not given a name, just given the a painter. Name. He's just the painter. Most of the characters in this opera aren't given a name. There are only very few that are. The issue here is that the painter is in love with Lulu, but she's married to somebody else. Right, Dr. Girl. Dr. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's G O with an umlaut L L, folks. <laughs> it's not, not G I R L or G U R L. <laughs> and there's a knock at the door, and Doctor Schoen, who is a newspaper editor, mm-hmm. comes in, as does his son Alva, and they're watching the painter paint Lulu. Right. A little bit surprised to find her there without her husband, and she, she tells them that she's expecting him. He'll be there any minute. Alva is a playwright, and he's working at a theater nearby. Mm-hmm. And he and his father leave to go off to the theater. And So now it's just Lulu and the painter. Right. Who's basically literally starts to chase her around the room because he wants her. <laughs> And what we what we have here uh, musically is the beginning of these motifs that Berg uses to indicate themes or characters, much like Wagner does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have Lulu's motif, which we actually hear in the prologue, but we get it again here. And Berg is using that those light motifs, which is a very Wagnerian concept, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, he certainly did the most with it. I mean, it, it didn't originate with him, but he's the one who took it beyond what anybody had ever done before. And the painter is kissing Lulu's hands, and suddenly there's a knock at the door, and her husband, Dr. Girl, <laughs> says, Hello, it's me. Can I come in? Hey. <laughs> He comes in regardless of whether he's invited, and he finds the two of them, you know, in, in a, a compromising compromising position. position yeah, and uh, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> he drops down dead. He drops dead. He's he is so in shock that he just dies. How do they react to Doctor Girl's death? Uh, not the way you would expect. <laughs> With uh, some um, diffidence, you might say. <laughs> They're sort of bemused by it rather uh-huh. than shocked or grieved. Yeah. There's no, oh my God, he's dead. There's, oh, he's dead. <laughs> okay. The painter asks Lulu what she believes in. I guess what sort of person she is. And she doesn't have a very convincing answer. Yeah, because... As we'll discover throughout this opera, I mean, it's 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 tempting to use modern terms like borderline personality because she kind of doesn't have one. She she basically becomes like a cipher. She is. She's she she adapts to whomever she's with and becomes who they want her to be, in a sense. She replies to his answers, I don't know. She's got nothing to say. She cannot describe herself. Yeah. And then she goes off to change out of the P 
Pierre costume. And we have one of a number of musical interludes that Berg uses to transition from one scene into the next. Right. And when we reach the next scene, we have, uh, we've moved forward in time. And at this point, Lou is married to the painter. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not only that, but the, the painting of the Piero is hanging on the wall right. in their elegant living room. And in the, the, the morning mail, Lulu is surprised to read an announcement that Dr. Schoen is engaged to be married. That's the newspaper editor that we met in the previous scene. Right. And she's not happy about that. The bell rings. The painter looks out the window and says, oh, it's a beggar. Lulu, my dear, you... Well, he doesn't call her Lulu, does he? No, everybody calls her something different. different. Yeah. The painter calls her... Ava. Oh, yes. And Dr. Girl calls her Nelly. Right. And uh, as we'll find out, Dr. Schoen calls her Minion or Mignon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not Minion as in little yellow homunculus <laughs> types in the animated films. <laughs> we don't want to give the wrong idea. <laughs> That's Minion with a G. <laughs> minion you. with a G. There you go. <laughs> But again, that reinforces th that idea that she molds and adapts herself to whomever she's with. Yeah. The name changes. There, yeah. isn't, there isn't anything permanent about her. Yeah. Who was it that said there's no there there? <laughs> so the painter looks out the window, sees the beggar, and says, oh, it's a beggar. You deal with him. I'm going off to my studio to paint. When <laughs> inevitably... <laughs> Lulu lets the beggar in, and it's not a beggar. It's not a beggar. It's Shigolk. Shigolk. <laughs> Who is supposed to be her father. Yeah, but may Males. have been her lover. This is getting more like Wagner all the time, isn't it? <laughs> and he says, this is nice. Nice house and everything. You've uh, done well you've, for yourself. You've done well for yourself since I last saw you. And there's a hint of something, something sordid in her past. Uh-huh. So he leaves and, and Schoen comes leaving, back. Right. Dr. Schoen comes back and he notices, he sees Shigolk and he tells Lulu that <laughs> she can no longer come to see him because he's engaged. So she's married to the painter, but she's having an affair with Dr. Schoen. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not happy about that because she she basically likes lots of men orbiting around her all the time. She actually says, "Well, but but I belong to you." Yeah, it, it's that again that that self effacement that uh, seems to define her so much. Right. She needs that male attention, though, as, uh, as you say. She needs to control it as much as she can, and. She says, but you rescued me from the streets when I was a child. My husband doesn't really love me. And doesn't really pay attention to what I'm doing anyway. He thinks of me as his little darling or his little bird. He's not really interested in me as a person, probably because there's not much there. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Which seems to indicate that Lulu is looking for something more from Dr. Schoen. Mm -hmm. Lulu goes out 
and Dr. Schoen and the painter have this conversation. And essentially, Dr. Schoen is telling the painter to keep his eye on Lulu because he knows that she can be flighty. <laughs> That's she one can, way to put it. She can, she can get around. Yeah. So the painter says he's, he's on his way out. <laughs> little do we know how literally <laughs> we should take that. He, so he, he leaves. Right. He leaves the room. And, <laughs> and he's supposedly going out to talk to Lulu. But they hear noises from the room he's gone into. And they, <laughs> they go back in to find that he's killed himself. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Lulu claims another one. So, she's already was there when Dr. Girl died. Yes. She's now there when the painter takes his own life. Yeah, we've got a body count here. That makes two. I'll keep track. <laughs> <laughs> then Alva comes in, and he's full of excitement because the newspapers are reporting that revolution has broken out in Paris. Dr. Schoen is scared that the death of the painter will get into the papers and will damage the announcement of his engagement to whoever he's going to get married to, yes. to his fiancée. Yes. But he's hopeful that the news of the revolution will sort of knock everything else off the front pages. And the curtain comes down as Lulu sings, You Will Marry Me After All. Who's she talking to? Alrighty then. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> then we have another of the uh, the interludes. Right. That leads us into scene three, which is in Lulu's dressing room in the theater, because presumably she's an actress. Right. And in conversation with Alva, Lulu tells him that basically Dr. Schoen put her on the stage, you know, hoping that's... <laughs> she'd meet a rich husband and the, who would take Lulu off of Dr. Shun's hands. Because she was his ward. Yeah. When he'd, he'd rescued her from the streets. Yeah. Then we have this, this curious element here where Alva makes the comment that she has led such an eventful life that it would make a great opera. <laughs> well, stick around, dude. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> And then there's also this this prince who shows up who's just pining for Lulu. And, I mean, just, she hung the moon and the stars for this guy. And then there's a noise in the direction of the stage. And Lulu is carried off because she's fainted. She claims that she fainted because, you know, she got out on stage and was doing her dance and saw Dr. Schoen's fiancé sitting in the audience, and she couldn't take it. Well, okay. <laughs> and then we get this real insight into Lulu and her power because she's sort of taunting Dr. Schoen yeah. because he has not yet married his innocent bride. And she thinks that he has not yet done that because he's still in love with her, exactly. that she still has power over him. And she demonstrates that by getting him to write a letter. Which right she dictates. There, which, which she, she dictates, dictates to him. Mm -hmm. Breaking off his engagement. Yeah. And then she goes back on stage to take up where she left off when she fainted. End of act one. Thank God. 
<laughs> Need to take a breath here. <laughs> Act two opens in this big palatial hall. We meet the Countess Geschwitz. Who is another in the orbiting cast of characters who are in love with Lulu and basically are enthralled to her. I mean, enthrall really is the right word. And Geschwitz is a lesbian. Yes. And she's dressed in very manly clothes. Right. And she is, as you said, besotted by Lulu. Yeah. Guess who Lulu's married to? <laughs> At this point, uh -huh. she's now married to Dr. Schoen. Surprise! <laughs> In fact, we should have pointed out that at the end of Act One, after he's written this letter to his fiancée, yeah. as the curtain's coming down, he actually exclaims, now comes my execution. Because he knows, <laughs> he knows what's going to happen. He's going to end up marrying Lulu, and that will be the death of him. Yeah, he's probably not wrong. <laughs> So now he's he's married to her and he's basically confessing to the Countess Geschwitz that his feelings for Lulu and his love for her is just driving him quite mad. He's so jealous because she has all these other people orbiting her all the time. Including Geschwitz. Including Geschwitz. And he actually is so paranoid that he, he pulls out his revolver and he starts hunting around the room, looking behind the curtains to make sure that she doesn't have some lover stashed Stashed away. in there? Oh, goodness. Then Lulu returns, and she and Shun leave the hall, and Geschwitz sneaks back into the hall and... Hides herself. Hides herself. Just before <laughs> this unusual trio comes in. Yeah, yeah. We've got Shigok. Shigok. From the first act. An athlete. yeah. And a schoolboy. Shigolt, an athlete, and a schoolboy go into a bar. <laughs> yes. It's either a bad joke or a Fellini film. <laughs> and we should say that the schoolboy is a pants roll. Uh-huh. Sung by a mezzo-soprano or a contralto. Right. And, of course, all these folks are in love with Lulu. It goes without saying. It does. But I've said it anyway. And, in fact... Shigolk has arranged for the schoolboy to meet with Lulu. He's sort of been the go-between. And they're sitting there drinking and smoking when Lulu comes in. Followed by Oliver, Dr. Schoen's son. But when they hear him announced, the three of them hide. Oliver comes in and, as if matters weren't complicated enough already, uh -huh. He declares his love for Lulu. Yeah, and how does Lulu respond? She said, well, you know what? That may be, but you know what? There's something I should tell you first. <laughs> and that is, you know, years ago when your mother died, that was I me. killed her. That was me. <laughs> I did it. I poisoned her. Yeah. But this is so strange because, because Lulu is married to Alva's father. Right. She's married to Alva's father. She murdered his mother. These guys just can't help themselves. That's all there is to it. But Dr. Schoen is hiding behind a curtain himself and, of course, sees and hears all this. Alva is perhaps a little upset by all these revelations. And Dr. Schoen reveals himself, takes Alva out, and then comes back in 
and gives Lulu a gun and says, you should use this and do the right thing. Yeah, kill yourself. Kill yourself. <laughs> then Dr. Schoen finds the Countess Geschwitz hiding behind something. Yes. And he pulls her out, drags her out of the room, while still, and he's still en- yeah. encouraging Lulu to kill herself. Yeah. And her response is essentially... <laughs> And this might be a little simplistic, but it's basically I am what I am, what I am, and that's all what I am. I, you know, I've never tried to be anything other than what I am, which is nebulous to say the least, but very much in keeping with what we know of her so far. Now, given the history of Lulu, yeah, if her husband gives her a gun, who do you think's gonna get the bullet? <laughs> My money's on Doctor Sherman. <laughs> Well, the schoolboy cries out from his hiding place. Ah. And Lulu shoots Dr. Schoen five times. Do tell. However, she's horrified by what she's done. She says that Schoen was her only love. She had a strange way of showing it. Yeah. Alva returns. And Dr. Schoen's last words to his son are to to seek some sort of vengeance on Lulu for his death. Lulu tries to convince him otherwise, and then the police appear, and... The curtain falls on that scene. The curtain falls on that scene. There is another musical interlude between the scenes. Scene two of Act Two takes place in the same set as scene one. But time has gone by. The palatial hall. Yeah, and it's not been, shall we say, well kept. No. So here we have <laughs> here we have we've got Geschwitz, Alva, and the athlete, yeah, yeah, dressed as a footman, and they're talking about Lulu, and from <laughs> from their chatter, we discover that Lulu has cholera. Not only that, she's in prison. Yes, presumably for having murdered Doctor Schoen. Right now. Geschwitz has just recovered from cholera, apparently. And there's this plan to swap them out. That Geschwitz, in an act of self-sacrifice, is because going to... Because she loves Lulu. Because she loves her unconditionally and is going to take her place in prison and they'll let Lulu out. So that she can they'll, 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 the... No, they'll, 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 they won't let her out. They'll get her out. Right. Yeah. They'll do the switcheroo. Right. So who's she going to marry now? The athlete. Do tell. (laughs) (laughs) So Shigog takes Geschwitz off to go to the uh, prison. Mm -hmm. And we hear Geschwitz say, because of this strong love for Lulu, that she herself contracted cholera. Deliberately. Deliberately. In order to be able to... Enact this plan. Enact this plan. As one does. (laughs) <laughs> That's true love. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so Alva and the athlete are left alone, and the schoolboy appears, and he has a plan to get Lulu out of prison. However, they've already enacted their own plan, which they've executed, and she's on her way in, so they have to get the schoolboy out of there. So they tell her. they tell the schoolboy that she's dead. And then she comes in. Yeah, after they've hustled the schoolboy out of there right. quickly. She comes back in with Shigog. 
she's not looking so good. She's she's she has cholera, <laughs> which you know doesn't do, do wonders for one's complexion. And the athlete's kind of upset by the way she looks, and gets kind of nasty about it actually, and then leaves and leaves, and then she go leaves as well because he's going to go and get tickets, two tickets, to Paris, and <laughs> Alva. And Lulu are left alone together, and they sing this passionate love duet, and then they leave for Paris. Well, righty then. Okay. End of Act Two. End of Act Two. Act Three opens in an elegant house in Paris. Uh, it's a sort of a sort of like a high class brothel. It's yeah, full of yeah. full of denizens of the demi the demi monde. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lulu at this point, you know, really is, she really is, she's, she's, she's pipping herself out. She, I mean, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> and in fact, one of the, of the men that's there actually suggests she should become a prostitute. That yeah. she should go uh, enter a brothel. Go pro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And he threatens her that if she if she won't go, that he will expose her to the police. And of course, she's not going to turn herself in. No. So she she dons boys' clothes, and uh, and makes an escape. And when the police arrive, all they find is the servant who is wearing Lulu's clothes. Yes. End of, End of act scene three. One. Scene one. Right. Yeah. Scene two. We are now in an attic. Yeah. In a London slum. Things aren't going well for Lulu. <laughs> she is very, she's just an outright prostitute at this point. And she is working to earn money to keep herself, Alva, and Shigog. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, Geschwitz shows up from Paris. With the portrait of Lulu painted as Pierrot yeah. by her second husband. <laughs> Sorry, I had to count there for Right. <laughs> Lulu, of course, is working the streets. Yeah, she's got uh, some clientele coming in and out. And her last pickup of the day turns out to be Jack the Ripper. Yes, the historic Jack the Ripper. And he murders Lulu. Yeah. And when Geschwitz tries to come to her aid because she hears the screams, he kills her as well. End of End opera. Of opera. <laughs> <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. Yeah. So, Lulu, think of the elixir of love and then think of the exact opposite of that. <laughs> there you go. So this is such a bizarre story. Yeah. What is it about? Well, uh, you know, it's about a lot of things. I mean, it's about it's about this woman who is the embodiment of every male fantasy concocted. You know, they're able to project their fantasies onto this blank slate of a human being. And, and are consequently just infatuated with her, one after another. 
until it's finally her undoing. She enjoys the control that she seems to have over all these men who just constantly orbit around her throughout the opera. You know, at the same time, it, it, it strikes me as, uh, given the, the the period when this was written, this is roughly corresponding to the realism movement in literature. Uh, you know, and this is about holding a microscope up to the gutter, to the to the to the uh, the dregs of, uh, of of human existence. Because I think, what year did Puccini die? Puccini, nineteen twenty four. Yeah, it was the nineteen twenties. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Berg is not. It's not too long after, maybe 10 years no, after. No, not at all. No. And in fact, he started, Berg started to write this in, in the mid-1920s. Right. What about Lulu as a moral being? She's completely amoral. amoral. Mm -hmm. Not immoral. Immoral no. implies that you know right from wrong and choose wrong. Amoral means you have no moral compass in much the same way that the music here has no tonal compass. It's completely unmoored, and such is, is her lack of morality. So what's the reputation of Lulu within the operatic repertoire? Well, it still has a hold on the standard repertory. Even though 12-tone as a, a compositional style some would say that it was a dead end that didn't go anywhere. Others would argue that it led to other things. It's it's still largely, you know, I don't I don't know of anybody that practices it today. You know, currently working composers, but it's considered a, a masterpiece of, of of the twelve tone idiom. It and Wozzeck both. And as you said, you mentioned Wozzeck there. It, I mean, Lulu came on the heels of Wozzeck. That was a great success. Yes. So Berg's, these are his only two operas, but they're both pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Alban Berg's Lulu, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.